Welcome to the program. This is Nikrita, your host. Thank you for tuning in. It's good to have you with us today. And we are happy to look again into the, in the crucible with Christ. And today we are going to share a little bit more about the subject, uh, the birdcage. I'd like to say uh, hello to our panel today. And uh, it's uh, good to have you with us, Ken. Thank you, Nick. It's always a pleasure to be here, and it's always so interesting to look into God's Word. And Joe, thank you for joining. Thank you, Nick. I'm delighted to be here. Marek, thank you for joining us too. Thank you. It's a challenging topic. Look forward to the discussion. Lija, it's good to have you with us also. I'm very thrilled every time when we study God's Word. And Will. It's uh, good to have you part of the panel. And also, thank you so much for uh, putting together this um, study. And um, you will facilitate today. Welcome to the program and uh, please take us through. Thank you, Nick. We know that readers of the Bible sometimes have difficulty reconciling the prayer of Jesus, where he says, lead us not into temptation, with the words of the Apostle James that we should never say when tempted that God is tempting us. In fact, James stresses that God tempts no man. We trust that this delicate subject, of course, will be clarified in today's discussion. I think that's one reason and why we really need to ask the Lord to guide our discussion, because as America said it is a uh, deep and difficult subject. But Lydia, then would you pray for us? Glorious Father in heaven, we coming before you to bring you honor and glory and praise. We coming before you in this moment as we study your holy word today about crucibles of maturity. Please, Father, open our minds and hearts to learn and understand, to accept and go through the steps of growth as individuals, families and communities and nations that takes additional dimensions. Please, Father, give us vision, enlighten us through the power of the Holy Spirit to understand that your love and grace for us is educational and transformative in our growth, being productive, that takes place not only in a theoretical way, but in the battlefield of life experiences of trials and suffering and tribulations, being refined in the crucible furnace. Father, thank you so much for reminding us again that you are here, with us always through the struggles and battles of this life. Please, Father, strengthen us and help us to confine in you through the process of a complete refinement, growth, and transformation of the desired jewel of your investment. Father, please teach us today. Take the lead through the richness of your holy word. And let us be transformed from within through the power of your Holy Spirit and empowered us to become like you. Please bless the listeners also and impress 
to the power of the Holy Spirit to understand your Holy Word and long to know you more and accept you as a personal Savior. In Jesus' wonderful and precious name we pray, Father, and we thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lydia. In countries like uh, Indonesia and Cuba, wild birds are caught, they're caged and then taught to sing for competition prize money. About a hundred years ago, one writer made reference to this, and it is a good object lesson for us today. And here's a little paraphrase of what the writer actually said. In the full light of day, while hearing a variety of music and other voices, a caged bird will not sing the song that his master seeks to teach him. He learns a snatch of this and a trill of that, but never a separate and entire melody. But the master covers the cage and then places it where the bird will listen to the one song he is to sing. In the dark, he tries and tries again to sing that song until it is learned, and he breaks forth in perfect melody. Then the bird is brought forth, and he can sing that song in the light. Another commentary of this writer says, Thus God deals with his children. He has a song to teach us, and when we have learned it amid the shadows of affliction, we can sing it ever afterwards. I want you to notice that uh, it's the one who, the one who carries the bird into the darkness is the master himself. Now, for me, it's easy to understand that Satan plunges us into darkness and causes pain. But would God himself actively take a part in guiding us into crucibles? where we experience confusion or hurt? Well, today we will visit a few accounts in the Bible in which God himself led people into experiences that he knows will include suffering. And if this is true, what are the responses then God requires from his people? Are trials beneficial? Well, you might think that, um And people might wonder, well, what is a trial? Trials, perhaps, or a trial is an old-fashioned word for difficulties, maybe troubles and events which cause discomfort, even suffering. And I guess it's the opposite of the life of ease, a life of privilege, being very comfortable and able to live as you want without any worries or problems. Might I also say that no one in in this life is free from issues or difficulties, It is a part and parcel of our everyday existence and cannot be avoided. Now, I know that no one, including myself, likes to feel stressed or face difficulties. But the question you posed, can it be beneficial? And this is a good question. We know that resilience and strength comes from training and placing some effort and sweat into building up muscle. It doesn't happen by sitting around on the couch all day, every day. Um, we might remember that Brenton last week mentioned that he's been doing resistance training and he felt better for it. I suppose the same thing could be said of spiritual muscles, muscles of faith, trust in God, overcoming, navigating and solving difficulties helps develop our character. Having children, for instance, matures one. 
while they are a delight, which we'll all agree, there are often difficulties in the path of a parent, situations that need wisdom and patience and a reliance on God. I'm not saying that children are a trial, but it is an example where we are often called to go beyond what is easy and comfortable. Such as many other things in life that we may be called to do, like getting up at four in the morning to study for an exam or even go to work, getting up very early to do your early shift. So I would say trials can help develop and do develop character resilience and a greater trust in God. But there are other benefits. Another benefit is also that the experience of going through a certain difficulty can give us insight so that we might be able to comfort others who are going through a similar experience. So it builds empathy and sympathy. Another benefit is also creating in us a desire for something far better than the here and now. Because when we are too comfortable, we tend to lose the eternal viewpoint. For this world is not our home, Paul says. We are looking forward to an everlasting home in heaven. There are Christians who are experiencing severe trials for their faith, such as in many places in the world, a growing intolerance to any other viewpoint other than the mainstream. But Peter reassures us that there are only, they are only there for a little while. He encourages us to rejoice and do not give up in despair. There is also the promise that you will not be tested beyond what you can endure. And I read from Corinthians, he will not allow you to be tested beyond what you can bear. But when you, but when you are tested, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to endure it. So when things get tough, when things get difficult, we're encouraged to cheer up and look up and trust in God for help to get through. He will never let us down. Oh, so true. You know, it makes me think of the text, uh, Joan panel, um, in Hebrews 12, verses 3 and 4, which says, Consider him, it's talking about Jesus, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you too will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, he says, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Wow, that's uh, that's quite a resistance and that's quite a lot of training, isn't it? And certainly Jesus is our example. He's our example of being joyful in hope patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Marek? It's interesting. We made a reference to the uh, uh, passage in uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13 where Paul says that God will not allow us to be tested beyond what we can bear. And uh, and I find the, the uh, a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8 quite interesting because there... Paul says, we experience greater pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired for life itself. You know, there are times when our experiences may even take us to the point where it seems that it is beyond our ability to endure as, as Paul experienced and recounts in 2 Corinthians. But I'm, I'm, I'm also mindful of, of, of this passage that you referred to, Will, in Hebrews chapter 12, where God says, that God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. And so, you know, there are many extreme situations, extreme trials that we might experience. And uh, and Paul again states in, uh, in Acts 14.22 that we must go through many hardships to enter into the kingdom of God. 
there seems to be a purpose. There seems to be a pathway there where a Christian does go through trials, through these crucibles, so that their character might be prepared, purified, their faith may be strengthened, so that ultimately we may attain to that holiness that God intends so that we may be able to see him who is holy. So true. And Marek, as you pointed out, uh, it seems like almost like contradicting those two passages there, uh, where it says, you know, that... um, we are not tempted beyond our uh, strength or capacity. Or Paul says, oh, we are facing these difficult things. What came in my mind is that um, sometimes, you know, we as Christians, even if it's a little bit of uh, temptation, we think, oh, what's going on with this hardship and things like that. But there, there were many God's people who faced that to die for their faith now that's you know to the extent of uh, almost not being able to to resist but the promise is that god will give us strength to go through anything even if it's death and um, then was mentioned here about uh, you know our lord jesus christ who suffered and i want to add also another dimension here we go into some tribulation or even to be tested, mainly because of our uh, sin, wrongdoings, the past, you know, that has consequences. And because of those consequences, because God loved us, he will take us through some of those uh, difficult times to be able to turn around. Even Jesus himself, he suffered the consequence of our sins. It's true, Nick. The picture again of the crucible comes to mind, doesn't it? It's uh, the refining of the gold in uh, the fires and the furnace of perhaps affliction and difficulty. My mind goes to Genesis chapter 14, which gives us an interesting insight into how God, yes, God, directed the journey of the Israelites on their way to Egypt. So let me ask, why did God lead his people right there in the beginning of their journeys, to a place where he knew they would be terrified. What do you think, panel? Ken? I think part of the answer to that one is that people generally, back then and especially today, were very short memories. And although God had done very many great miracles during the time They were actually in Egypt and under Pharaoh's command. I think sometimes people forget so broad that God had brought them to this particular escape area, shall we say, that appeared to be no escape. And, of course, I'm sure he wanted to test them and see what their faith was like. Are they still going to believe him or what would they be thinking? And so, of course, when they get there, they start to wonder, well, what's going on? There's no way out. And Pharaoh's army is behind them. But again, God had a plan to show him his wondrous ways and the plan of escape. Yes. Ken, would you like to read the portion that we're talking about in Exodus? Well, we read here that thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Now, we all know trusting God sometimes is very difficult. 
something may come upon us that is totally unexpected and serious. We think this can't be happening. Shock may set in, fear and worry. Some of us will may even respond with prayer right away. Others may wait a while thinking, this must be a mistake. It will go away. But then reality sets in and we see we have a major problem and we need God's help. Only then do we seek God. But as we all know, God does not always answer prayer the way we expect, or more importantly, when we expect. This is when we really need to believe and stand on our faith. As we read God's word, we see stories of people praying to God and receiving miracles. Other people waited many years for the problems to be changed, but there are also many stories where God did not intervene and people lost their lives or were not healed from some problem. Paul being an example that we saw last week, who had an ongoing problem, which we believe was his eyesight, but never lost his faith. Yes, thank you, Ken. Of course, um, I think that I would have panicked as well in my lack of faith when I stood amongst the Israelites there at the Red Sea and Pharaoh drawing near. Children of Israel all lifting up their eyes, seeing the Egyptians marching after them. And the Bible says they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Joe? The Bible actually tells us why God led them to a dead end. It tells us that in Exodus chapter 13, uh, verses 17 and 18, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. It was it was an easier road. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. I think it was very strategic of God in the sense that he knew how they would react. And so he brought them to a, to a dead end where there was no going back. And so that he wanted to teach them a lesson of trust um, and he was going to show them a great deliverance. We know that that pillar of cloud that was leading them went in front of them and, and landed between, it stood between the Egyptians and stood between the Israelites. And on the Israelite side, it was light and the Egyptian side was darkness. And that gave it gave the Egyptians time to catch up <laughs> because this was not only for the benefit of the Israelites, this was the ben- on for the benefit. This was a faith building, faith testing exercise for Moses as well. He was only newly recruited as the leader of his people. And also for Pharaoh. Now we'll remember that Abram was told by God that his people would be in bondage for 400 years. And after that, he would judge, he would judge the nation that had enslaved them. And so this was judgment on the Egyptians. God, uh, God demonstrated to Pharaoh, who thought he was the true God, who thought he was a God, that all of this was all nothing, that he was the only one. He, um, and this is, I quote this from scripture, it says that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord that they may know that I am the Lord. So this was, it was an exercise for just about every party, for the Israelites, for Moses, for the Egyptians. And uh, I think it was a wonderful, it might have been a crucible for a short time, but what a deliverance. 
Yes. You know, while you were speaking, made me think of a text, the miraculous intervention of God I could must have made quite an impression, as you say, Joe, on both the Egyptians and the Israelites. Years later, David was still amazed at God's mighty deeds when he says in Psalm 77, verses 11 and 12, and listen to his words, it's an affirmation. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. It certainly made an impression even centuries later. It's uh, it's kind of fascinating because as I reflect on this ex- experience of, of the Israelite children and then, of course, the number of, of these trying experiences uh, when they came out of Egypt, I think to myself, what sorts of coping skills, spiritual skills, did these Israelites learn while they, while they were in captivity? Possibly very few. If we look at our culture today, uh, does our culture teach us and provide us with tools for coping and dealing with tragedy? It really doesn't. Mm. And so God leads these people out into the wilderness And in this miraculous, wonderful way, he begins to teach them how to trust him, how to trust in his leadership, how to prayerfully submit to his leading, to his guidance. And so God has this wonderful way of helping to nurture faith and trust through these very powerful demonstrations of, uh, of, 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 of his miraculous reading, leading. And, and so I, I'm also mindful of this very wonderful statement in the ministry of healing, which states, he who reads the hearts of men knows their characters better than they themselves know them. He sees that some have powers and susceptibilities, which rightly directed might be used in the advancement of his work in his providence. He brings these people into different positions and varied circumstances that they may discover in their characters the defects which have been concealed from their own knowledge. He gives them opportunity to correct these defects and to fit themselves for his service. Often he permits the fires of affliction to assail them that they may be purified. I would trust no one more than a loving God to take us through these experiences and through these crucibles because we know what his intention is. It's to bring us into a greater reliance upon himself. It's to nurture our personal growth so that we may become holy as God is holy and praise him for that. Um, David entrusted himself to the Lord. All of the Old Testament writers who went through many, many different crucibles and experiences entrusted themselves to God. And I would pray that God would give us the ability to entrust so he can refine and work on our characters as he sees fit. That is so true, Marek. You know, years later, David himself said, was given the option, do you want to fall into the hands of your enemies or do you want to fall into the hands of God? And he said, oh, please, let me rather fall into the hands of God, because I know with God there is mercy. You know, I think that I'd agree with you. I would rather go through difficulty knowing that God is with me, 
and going through good times without God's presence, just leaving me to my own, um, my own conniving. <laughs> wow. You know, we have an account where the Lord led Israel just after this, this experience. Uh, he led them actually to bitter waters. Well, <laughs> I wonder, Lydia, if you could take us to that scene. Yes. Just say after a period of time of uh, their journey, God led them through a place, again, like a dead end, without water. So after journeying of uh, three days, particularly in the desert where water is so critical, their desperation was high, of course. So they arrived at a place and they've seen uh, uh, water somewhere. Probably it was a lake. We don't know exactly, but I do suppose that it was a lake, which comes from the Dead Sea. Uh, and when they tasted the water, the water was bitter. I would like to read in Exodus chapter 15, verse 24. And it says, So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Over there, the Lord gave them another lesson. Why do they need so many lessons? But let's, let's look at the lesson first. It says that there the Lord made a decree and law for them, just right there. And he tested them. And he said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the disease I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. We observe here conditional blessings. If you listen, if you pay attention, if you do what is right in, in his eyes. I'm asking myself, why the Israelites needed so many lessons from the Lord? Why they need to be reminded so many times in their journey again and again, again and again of the Lord? Because I think, as uh, Ken mentioned before, they forgot about God's leading, the complete faith in God they lacked in their lives. Because these people, they saw God's hand in the uh, in front of Pharaoh so many times. They've seen how God departed the Red Sea and they crossed through and so on and so on. And still, they didn't trust God completely. If they would trust God completely, even if they wouldn't have water, they should say, okay, God is going to do a miracle for us to give us water because they knew that God can do everything and there's nothing impossible to God. This is applying in our lives also. We have to trust God completely in every step of, of our way. That is so true, Lydia. Uh, they were slow to learn, of course. And uh, 
I see that it happens yet again. God sees fit. A few days later, a pillar, the pillar leading them, actually stops where there is not, no, we, we had where it was bitter water, but it stops now where there's no water at all in the desert. And this, this leads again the people to ask a very interesting question. Joe, perhaps you could paint the picture for us. Yes. So, as you said, there, there are very, two very similar situations in one, and all both involve scarcity of water. One, we have in Mara that water was bitter. And now, as you said, there is no water at all. You know, the herds are thirsty, water supplies are quickly diminishing, and the crowd begin to murmur yet again. And yes, of course, God provided. That's a story in itself. God knew that they needed water, but tested them whether they believed that he would provide for them. He, he'd already provided them so much, including water, as Lygia told us. But each time they complained and they doubted and they questioned, is the Lord among us or not? Now imagine they had witnessed the most amazing deliverance when they saw with their own eyes the destruction of their enemies. And I'll quote what the Egyptians said. It says, when they were in the Red Sea and they, they were, their chariot wheels were falling off and they were facing death and disaster, they said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Isn't it amazing? And they witnessed all this. And, and, and when they saw with their own eyes, yeah, the destruction of the, their enemies, they quickly forgot. God had liberated them from slavery, provided a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire. And, you know, didn't he know that they needed water? And there are lessons here for us. So when we are tempted to forget, when I am tempted to forget my past experiences with God and think he has forgotten me or forgotten us, when he doesn't appear to be acting according to our expectations or my expectations, my timetable, is the Lord among us or not? Is God with me or not? I think we have all asked this question ourselves, even if only in thought. How many times, and this is like a rhetorical question just for us to consider, how many times do we need to get it answered before we stop asking it altogether? How long before we truly trust the Good Shepherd is leading us? Yeah, true. And, you know, that can bring us to... uh, so many, you know, questions, uh, Joe and, and panel. But I'm wondering if um, when God is taking us through some of those challenges, because God could so easily provide for Israel when after a day or two and they were thirsty, straight away to be a good, nice uh, spring there or whatever, you know, he could have easily provide because God knows everything. But instead, I believe God is strengthening our muscle, if you like, exercising our faith to be able to be fit, strong, to cope with all the things which come upon us in life. I believe this is in our favor. Too many times we maybe complain that we are facing some difficulties instead of thanking God that we are going through those things and we become stronger. And stronger. And that was some, uh, what some of the disciples, they said, thank God for all these uh, challenges. Yeah. But we are tempted to so often 
to just complain and say, oh, what, I ha- what have I done again, God? Why am I going through this or that? We probably need to look a little bit different and see the positive and trust in God that every single thing works for the good of ourselves. Yes, that's so true. You know, I remember my mother saying to me, son, you think um, me testing you and punishing you is hard? He says, you know, it, it hurts me more. But I do it with an end view in mind, knowing that it will deliver good. It's true what you say, Nick. You know, we've been speaking about the children of Israel And we've reviewed how God puts them to the test in the wilderness for bread and water. You know, it's quite a revelation for us to realize that this sort of extreme trial trial and temptation had to be faced by our Lord himself too. And what can we extract from stories like uh, Luke chapter 4? Well, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting when we look at the experience of uh, Christ being led into the wilderness to be tempted. It mentions that he was filled with the Holy Spirit when he returned from the Jordan and then was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Now, there it clearly states it wasn't God who was tempting him. It was the devil that was tempting Christ. And Christ was tempted in the most intense way in every aspect in every way that any of us can potentially be tempted and yet he didn't fail in those tests because of his relationship prayer connection with god i'm impressed with the story for two reasons one is that christ begins his ministry by this very experience of being led into the desert and being tested tempted. Look at the way Christ concludes his ministry. It's on the cross. After the worst abuse, after the cruelest of mistrials, uh, after phenomenal persecution, his life was one of suffering, as the prophet Isaiah tells us. And I've oftentimes wondered how many of us would still believe in God if it wasn't for the fact that God came to earth and so identified himself with us, so put himself on the book of human suffering, that today we can have absolute confidence in the fact that God knows exactly what we feel. He understands every test and every trial that we are going through. And he is so close to us that he bears the name Emmanuel, God with us. Now, knowing that he is the one who went through all these trials and temptations, both in the wilderness, throughout his whole ministry on the cross, gives me tremendous confidence because I know when I'm hurting, when uh, when my existence is called into question for whatever reason, I have someone who stands by my side. I have that wonderful shepherd who is there to restore me, to support me, to strengthen me. And I, again, praise God for that. Yeah, in those verses in Luke, we get a, an, our initial glimpses into a lifelong pursuit of the temptations of Christ by Satan. 
And of course, as you have said, Marek, it's no easy business. Uh, there are some difficult situations that come to our attention. And in this account, it appears, as you've indicated, that the Holy Spirit is leading Jesus into temptation. And I'm glad you, you partially clarified in your statement. But I wonder if the panel could, could just, uh, broaden this thing. Does the Holy Spirit lead into temptation, folks? Well, I, I was thinking of the same thing. And um, as the Bible puts it, what happened with Jesus in the wilderness was not to be tempted straight away. He went there and he spent time in prayer. And he says that after 40 days, he was tempted. Is that not right? Which means Jesus to go in the wilderness, it was to really strengthen himself and to connect with God. And he did that in prayer. And it's interesting that in the Bible, we find a lots of stories, how people were even taken 40 days or 40 years, quite a bit of parallelism there with Israel, with Jesus, with Moses, for example, and many others. I believe that the Holy Spirit is to strengthen us. And when we are committed to God, I mean, the enemy will do everything what it takes to, to challenge us and to test us. Yeah, my personal uh, understanding is that God and Holy Spirit will take us to the places to be strengthened. Yeah, not to be tempted. That's a good clarification, Nick. Especially in the light of James chapter 1 and verse 13, where it clearly says God himself doesn't tempt. In fact, the text says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Any comments on this, uh, Ken? Yes, I was just thinking what Marek was saying there a moment ago, and it it brought me back to when I was in the military, and I think this is a good analogy that you go into that and you were trained, and uh, although I wasn't in the infantry division, uh, those people that are fighting soldiers uh, are put through all this training to be able to overcome difficult times, And I think it's exactly the same in our life with Christ. Uh, We are often put through difficult situations to have this faith in God and believe in God, irrespective of what comes upon us. And as Nick was saying earlier on, uh, if we don't strengthen our muscles, we're going to lose them. Same as our faith. If we don't strengthen our faith, it's not going to be much use to us. Well, it's kind of interesting um, you mentioned earlier, you know, oftentimes your mother would say that having to discipline you hurt her more than it potentially hurt you. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's incredibly interesting because oftentimes as parents, we sometimes may even stand back allowing our children to experience certain things in terms of social relationships, in terms of discipline at school, where, you know, our first inclination would be to jump in and rescue them, uh, to stand up for them, to fight their battles. Uh, 
But what good would that experience be for our children? Isn't it better to sometimes step back and allow them to learn the skills to negotiate, learn the skills to communicate, learn skills to be patient and bearing, you know, the, the, the insults that they might cop and so forth. You know, and I think in many ways, God allows some of these trials to come our way for our own benefit, for our good, so that we might grow. I think you're possibly very right there, uh, Marek. I think that um, we know that everyone, in the, whoever is alive, Christian or not Christian or any anyone and everyone, have issues in their lives that they need to deal with, hardships, whatever it may be, challenges. But imagine if every time that you or I were going to go through a hard time, God or even any Christian, God stepped in and protected us from the consequences of our actions, from um, any kind of difficulty. I think that would just create bullies. We would become bullies and we would think we were untouchable, that we could do whatever we wanted without any consequence at all. So I think it's good that God allows us to, um, it keeps us grounded. But something I also wanted to add to the previous comments is that if Jesus needed to spend 40 days in prayer and contemplation and clinging to God in preparation for his ministry, for the mission, um, it, it shows to me that, you know, that we must not also neglect, must not neglect prayer and time with God mm-hmm. because this is also a preparation for us so that we can gain strength to resist and we are admonished to resist the devil and he will flee. So when we are tempted, we should remember that Jesus was tempted. And if we feel that we are weakening or even succumb to temptation, we might be tempted to question our whole experience, but we must remember that Jesus is the sin bearer and he succeeded where I have failed, you have failed, and we can have hope. We are not rejected or forsaken by God. That is so true. I would like to mention uh, the fact that the distractions of our lives disconnect us sometimes from the connection with the Lord. And God, as a loving Father, He comes to this trial suffering just to to determine us to, to get back into the connection with God, to stay and remain connected with him. Yes. There is a statement which I love, which speaks about our trying situations, which I'd like to read. Often when placed in a trying situation, we doubt that the Spirit of God has been leading us. But it was the Spirit's leading that brought Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan When God brings us into trial, he has a purpose to accomplish for our good. Jesus did not presume on God's promises by going unbidden into temptation. Neither did he give up to despondency when temptation came upon him, nor should we. So sometimes when we're in the crucible, I would say that we get burned rather than purified. It's therefore very comforting to know that when we, when we crumple under temptation, we can hope again because Jesus stood firm. Nick? Yes, I was just going to add very um, quickly that from my own experience, when I neglected to pray or to be connected with God, 
life seems to be a bit more easier when I, uh, you know, intentionally prayed and co- tried to connect with God. A lot of temptation comes and more attacks. And I think that could be real for many people because the enemy, the devil, he doesn't like us to be in the right place. Like Jesus was, you know, for 40 days to prepare himself for the ministry, you know. And we are called here to be ministers, to be uh, God's ambassadors. And we cannot do that without preparation. And if we do it rightly, prepare, expect to be attacked. Yes. Well, you know, I believe that there may be someone listening to us today who is going through fiery trials and difficulties, bearing heavy burdens, uh, almost too heavy to endure. Now, I want to say to each such person that... um, we would like to offer a prayer of strength and victory. And in fact, I've asked Ken to offer a prayer for all of us in this respect. Heavenly Father, today as we look into your word regarding trials and tribulations, we know there are many people today experiencing these also. Lord, we pray that they may feel your presence as they face these difficult times. We pray as they read your word that they may be encouraged by the men and women who also face many trials, but through them all believed you were always with them. As you have promised in your word, you will never leave us or forsake us. Help us all to trust and believe that no matter what comes upon us, you are there with us no matter how bad things look. We know our journey is coming to an end. Jesus will soon be coming back to collect his people and bring them home. But in the meantime, we pray, Lord, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. We ask this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's read uh, 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7, and discover what the Apostle Peter is telling us. Uh, It says, I'm going to be reading this from the Good News Translation. And I'll start with, um, yeah, I'll read from 6 to 9, if I may, because it's very beautifully put in the Good News Translation. Be glad about this, even though it may now be necessary for you to be sad for a while because of the many things, many kinds of trials you suffer. Their purpose is to prove that your faith is genuine. Even gold, which can be destroyed, is tested by fire. And so your faith, which is much more precious than gold, must also be tested so that it may endure. Then you will receive praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed. You love him, although you have not seen him. You believe in him, although you do not now see him. So you rejoice with a great and glorious joy, which words cannot express, because you are receiving the salvation of your souls, which is the purpose of your faith in him. Isn't that beautifully put? Mm. Peter here is writing to a people who who are battling through difficulties, and I think difficulties is an understatement. Um, often 
and often felt alone. Um, believers were often scattered, um, and they were probably a decided minority in many places. They were often misunderstood and ridiculed. Some had their possessions confiscated and experienced persecution, and at times some were martyred for their faith. A popular one was throwing them to wild, starving animals to entertain the crowds in the arenas. And I had a look at, look at that, and um, there were some horrible things that were going on. It was a brutal time, and they endured much. And so I think this scripture is, I found, comforting just reading it from the Good News Translation. And so Peter assures them, however, that these trials are not random or chaotic. Um, genuine faith is revealed when it is tested. And again, of course, Paul wrote to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. That's that's beautiful. We do have hope that God will be with us at all times. Peter's words of encouragement what whatever their trials whatever they suffer how can it be compared to the eternity that awaits them when christ returns so peter's words are exactly words to us regardless of whatever we are facing However difficult or painful our trials, we must never lose sight of the ultimate end in the new heaven and new earth without pain, suffering, or death. With such a promise before us, a promise guaranteed us through the death of Jesus, how important that we not lose faith, but instead, amid our trials, ask the Lord to purge us of everything and anything that stands in the way of our faith. That is so true. You know, panel and listener, I think in the future life, in the year after, we'll understand a little bit more about the tests and the trials that came to us, things, in fact, that today greatly perplex us. And then I think it will become clear how strong a helper we had here on earth. In fact, through the ministry of angels, how God commissioned them to guard us as we followed the counsel of the word of God. God promises that to all who receive him, Christ will give power to become the sons of God. And in the meanwhile, he is a present help in every time of need. It's a great assurance to me and a great encouragement. It's interesting uh, that we talk today under this um, topic of the bird cage. And I just want to underline this beautiful thing that the bird in the bird cage continues to sing continues to uh, to be happy to rejoice if you like 
that's our invitation today. If you are going through trials, through difficult times, be cheerful. Praise God. Look for the, the positive things. And trust in him continually because he knows through what we are going. And he will uh, bring us uh, through. Yes, it's the assurance of uh, God's presence that, uh, that takes us through it all, Nick. Thank you for that. Marek, would you close with prayer for us? Thank you. Dear Lord, as we reflect on this challenging topic of suffering, pain, tribulations, some people are so inclined to say God does not exist because of the suffering that exists all around us. But in actual fact, dear Lord, we have been told by Apostle Peter that what's at stake here is something that is worth far more than gold, and that is our faith. And Lord, we know that through suffering, you are training us, you are developing our characters. And so rather than accept suffering and pain and tests in a way where we look at ourselves in self-pity or become resigned to the situation that we are in or become resentful and angry against you. We pray that you will help us to accept it gratefully Mm. and to rejoice because through these tests, through these crucibles that come our way, you're wanting to purify our characters. You are wanting to establish a much closer relationship with you where we rely on you. We come to trust you. Lord, for all of those listeners and friends and family members and for ourselves, whenever these trials come, it's not if they come, they will come, but whenever they come, may we trust you. May we turn to you knowing that you are our loving father, our loving parent. Lord, we pray for this and we pray for strength that one day when we reach heaven, we will understand and gain the answer as as to why. But in the meantime, may we look up to you and place our life in your hands is our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, everyone, for participating today to this beautiful Bible study. Even though we talk quite a bit about suffering and trials, We are inviting you, my dear listener, to join us again when we are going to talk about uh, seeing the goldsmith's face. We alluded today quite a bit that we need to trust in God and look at Jesus, who is our example. We are going to learn a bit more. We're inviting you to join us next time. Until then, may God richly bless you. Continue to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. If you've ever wondered When you pray at night If it makes a difference If it sets things right Every time you say your prayers Whispered in the dark Somewhere deep inside you Just know with all your heart As sure as God's in heaven There's someone who cares And somebody's 
listening when you say your prayers. A prayer can be a thank you. A prayer can be a wish. A prayer can say I'm sorry, like a hug or like a kiss. It doesn't have to be just right. God hears you loud and clear. As long as it comes from your heart, it goes right to His ears. As sure as God's in heaven, there's someone who cares, and somebody's listening. When you say your prayers, oh, as sure as God's in heaven, there's someone who cares, and somebody's. Listening when you say your prayers, just know somebody's listening when you say your prayers.